0: Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 73, Psalm 73, Psalm 73. Let's all stand. We'll read a few verses out of the word of God this morning, starting with verse number 12 of Psalm 73. If you're in children's church, Katrina's got children's church program going back there. There she's leaving right now. Hide the piper. She's got them going. All right. Psalm 73. Starting with verse number 12. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, uh, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Now, what was he plagued and chastened about? How about this perplexing problem that he was noticing? It seemed like the the wicked were prospering and the righteous were suffering. Verse 14. Again, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus... Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shall despise their image. Or when it's your time, Lord, to do it, he'll do it. The Lord's not sleepy. But then going on down, he said, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and Father, I pray that we would take your word and put it in our minds this morning and and, and apply it to our hearts, and Father, live it. Help us, dear God. Help us as we face the perplexing problems and questions of life. Father, help us understand that the only real answers come from you. Father, we'll be careful to thank you and praise your name for what you're going to accomplish today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The 73rd Psalm was not written by David, but by Asaph. Asaph. Sing it loud and sing it clear, Asaph. Yes, Asaph was a Levite and was one of the three chief singers and choir directors appointed by King David. He was appointed to lead the music, appointed to lead the music in the sanctuary. Asaph uh, wrote a dozen psalms. If you're interested in those psalms, it's Psalm 50 and then Psalm 73 through Psalm 83. According Asaph, accordingly, uh, Asaph was uh, according to the word of God. Asaph was a gifted singer, uh, and Asaph was real. You can see his realness—that he was everything that David thought he was, because his children, his offspring, also continued to go forward for God. Asaph was, uh, Asaph's sons, the Bible tells us, uh, took part in uh, Hezekiah's revival, Josiah's revival, and Zerubbabel's revival. Uh, It's also mentioned that they were involved in uh, the uh, revival with Ezra uh, when the foundation of the new temple was being laid. So Asaph was a man that uh, not only uh, was on the platform and did a great job leading the congregation and leading in the singing but he was also a man that lived what he was uh, portraying there on the platform before God so Isaiah uh, tells us in Isaiah chapter let me see the uh, Let me see. Oh, I'll get to that in a minute. Isaiah chapter 53. But uh, Psalm chapter 73, Asaph returned to the problem that had plagued David in Psalm 37. And it also puzzled the other psalmist in Psalm 49. It's an age old problem. Why do the wicked seem to prosper when the righteous are struggling? Why? Why? It's just not fair. And that was the thing that plagued him. He was, "It's just not fair. Why did this happen to him when he had righteously lived for you, God? And why is this guy seemingly getting away with murder? What has happened here? What's going on? Uh, Psalm 73:12. "Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches." Why is that happening? Psalm 73, 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein, and here's the conclusion. And our message basically today will be, here's the conclusion. Here's what uh, came to him when he was uh, leaving the sanctuary. Probably he received it in the sanctuary, but he says, when I left the sanctuary, this is what happened. Then Psalm 73, 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God uh, that I may declare all thy works. So here's the conclusion he came to uh, after being in the sanctuary. We have to look at the conjunction. We'll come back to that. But though the riches or though the wicked rich may look like they are prospering while the righteous are suffering. But but it is good for me to draw near to God. The but, refers to, or the but refers, to, or refers to the theme of the chapters, chapter 73. In spite of how it may look, it's not going to happen that way. They're not going to always prosper. It, it, they've got the wrong value system. There will be a day of accounting for everyone. And when there is the day of accounting, they will be found wanting. Psalm 73, uh, verse 17 again. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. And here's the conclusion. All right, let's first of all start with the first point. The first point is the confusion. They were confused. He was confused. One of the great perplexities in life is, is, uh, for the child of God is to see uh, when he's living righteously, when he's doing right, when everything uh, should be going right, is to have a problem and then to see someone who is not living for God not have a problem. It's confusing. Have you ever said, it's just not fair? I'm living right, I'm doing right, I'm treating my neighbors right, I'm even tithing, and that guy he's mean, he's insensitive, nobody wants him as a neighbor, uh, there's nothing good in his life, uh, and here he is, he, he's, uh, he gets all the breaks in life, and I'm standing here broken, broken in life. Hey, what's the deal? While he's living large, I'm getting beat down. But, Asaph says, but, He says, but by the inspiration of God, until I went to the sanctuary, I couldn't understand it. I was trying to figure out in my own mind, I needed to go to God and God helped me recognize that this isn't the end of life, that there's much more. The confusion cleared up in the sanctuary until I went to the sanctuary. Well, when he went to the sanctuary, he got some clarity. Second point, God cleared it up. The Hebrew word sanctuary refers to a tabernacle or to a temple. It could also identify an area where, uh, like in Joshua's day, they took the word of God to this area by a big tree and they set up that as a sanctuary. It was a place where they could commune with God. The common meaning of it is a structure or area set apart to worship God, the sanctuary. Even today, um, if we were to talk to a a builder today or if we were to talk to construction people today, uh, they would talk about this auditorium, this church auditorium as the sanctuary. Everyone say sanctuary with me. Ready? Sanctuary. The sanctuary. Sanctuary. So when Asaph uh, went to the sanctuary, we might say that he went to church. Yeah, we might say that that he went to church to, to find out what God's word had for him. He went to church to praise God. He went to church to pray. He went to church so that he could commune with God. You know, this sanctuary has been a blessing over the years. Amen? A little slow there, people. This sanctuary, it's all right. It's January 31st, right? It's freezing out. But I was thinking about this this past week when we had uh, the funeral of Janet Brown. It was in this sanctuary she heard the word of God. It was in this sanctuary she responded to that message. It was in this sanctuary that Karen opened the word of God and showed her out the Bible. In this sanctuary, how she could know Jesus Christ as her personal Savior and get assurance of salvation. Isn't that great? How many people, time and time and time again, have found Jesus Christ in this sanctuary, in this place that God has set aside uh, for His Word to be proclaimed? There's a lot of good that's happened in this sanctuary, and we praise God for that. When Asaph says, I went to the sanctuary, it speaks of worshiping God. It speaks of his opportunity to praise God, to sing praises unto God. It speaks of his opportunity to hear the word of God and to receive the word of God. It was an opportunity for him to get answers to the perplexing questions of life. We need to go to God, don't we? And I hope you're not waiting till Sunday at the sanctuary to do that. Because now we have not only the sanctuary, but we have the personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. If we have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to daily go to the very throne room of God. The psalmist understood that the confusion of life can only be cleared up when we go to God. That's the way it is with a lot of perplexing questions in life, isn't it? Huh? Asaph in the sanctuary sings praises to God. Praise to God. Praise God. Psalm 150, verse number one Praise ye the Lord God in the sanctuary. Asaph was appointed by King David to lead in singing and praising in the sanctuary. Here's that verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 56, 7. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. for mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. It's a place of sacrifice, a place of offering. The sanctuary was where the word of God was kept and the word of God was read. When the Psalms were written, people didn't have a Bible like we have today. And aren't you glad we have a Bible? Huh? Isn't it wonderful to be able to go to one of the several Bibles you have at home, open it up and learn from God? And to commune with God and to worship God and to memorize God's Word. Oh, I trust the beginning of this year. This new year that you've decided that you're going to read through the Bible or you're going to have a daily devotional time in the Word of God. Don't let a day go by where you're not in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God and recognize that God can help you and that God can help you with the questions of life that you'll have throughout the day with His Word. God's Word is so great. The inspired Word of God. God-breathed Word. The Word of God. It's important that we recognize that clarity only comes from God, God's Word. Oh, it can come from a message we hear if it's a message from God's Word. It can come from a devotion we have if it's a devotion from God's Word. But it's so important to recognize clarity in life comes because we have tapped into the wisdom of God and the Word of God. Third, notice the conjunction. Let's go to it again. But. The but ref- refers to the theme of Psalms, in spite of the fact that the wicked were doing well in this world, they were doing well, and, and, and the righteous were suffering. God was trying to point Asaph to, a, to the end, wisdom, looking beyond today and looking to the future. And what would happen to them in the future? God's way in the end is the best way. And God's way is a way that says, listen, you may suffer a little now, but in the future you'll have a lot better uh, uh, end than those people without me. Psalm 73, 28. Notice it again with me one more time. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. I have put my trust in the Lord. In spite of the wicked being prosperous, I am a child of God, and God owns everything, and I am going to trust in God. Now notice, if you would please, the I there, it's personal. Notice my, it's personal. You notice that in verse 28? the personal faith, a personal trust. I, my trust. I'm trusting in my God. It was prompt. Have it, it's not my will, but it's your will, and heaven will clear all of this up someday, even as we sang, even as Brother Justin said, Boy, how, to li- how, how would you live in this world without knowing that you have a home in heaven? What I have right now is great. Sometimes we can start comparing what we have now with what others have, and it looks like they have so much more, but they really don't have more. They have a lot less if they don't have God. Amen? Amen. Keith, come on up here for a second. Keith Jensen, come on up here. <clears throat> While he's coming, let me share an illustration with you. <clears throat> for we know, or we, or for ye know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. <clears throat> Bill Gates is worth over $52 billion. $52 billion. If you made $100,000, thousand dollars an hour and worked eight hours a day 40 hours a week at the end of one week you would make four million dollars at that rate if you worked 52 weeks a year at the end of a year you would make 208 million dollars if you wanted to make 52 billion and this is an older number probably is worth more than that now you'd have to work 250 years at 208 million dollars a year if Bill Gates lost a million dollars he wouldn't even know it. If he donated a million dollars to you, it wouldn't even faze him. Let me ask you, is Bill Gates richer than Keith Jensen who knows Jesus Christ as his personal savior? No. How much money you got in your wallet? Uh, No, I don't have to look. Yeah, 30 bucks. Let me ask you, Without Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, are you rich? No. But let me ask you: Are you rich? Amen. Yeah. Why are you rich? Because of eternal security. And why else are you rich? Because I have a family and I have a home and I have uh, people that love me. And every one of your family members know Christ is a personal Savior. Right. What are you going to take to heaven with you? Uh, the people that are important to me. Yeah. yeah. Right. None of your money, your $30 is going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> or un- put on the school bill, one of the two. <laughs> right. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. It helps clear up, doesn't it? Doesn't that clear it up a little bit? What really counts is only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Trusting in him. Yeah, he knows. He's the I. He's the my. He's trusting in God. The psalmist didn't put off trusting God. In New Testament language, it would be he did not put off trusting Jesus. He did not put off trusting Jesus as his Savior. He didn't put off trusting God as his guidance. When we put our spiritual decisions In God's hands, we become rich. You know, we may never get another opportunity. You may never get another opportunity than today if you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. Let me direct your attention to 1 Corinthians. Take your Bibles and turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn there with me if you have your Bible today. 1 Corinthians 6. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Do ye know not that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. And then he says, I speak this to your shame. We also know that we have a responsibility and an opportunity in this world to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and to be a testimony so that the lost can find Christ as their Savior through our testimony. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God to beseech you by us. We pray you, and Christ said, be reconciled. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We know that uh, Asaph... Said, then I understood therein. I left the sanctuary, then I understood. I received the wisdom of God about prosperity and how the wicked will never really prosper. Because even as Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, what shall a prophet a man if he shall gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? The prosperity is fleeting, it's but temporal. The conclusion? Yeah, the conclusion. Then understood I therein. Then understood I therein. Therein. And my testimony. Asaph knew that God was telling him something. God was telling him to keep on singing, to keep on praising, to keep on praying. Because as you draw nigh to God, and declare all of his works that's the business that we're in we're not in the business of making money and prospering we're in the business of letting people know that we have a God in heaven who's in control that I may declare all thy works i read a great illustration about a man named Jacob Kashi who grew up in Singapore The only thing he wanted in life was to be a success. The only thing he wanted was to make a lot of money. Well, that actually led him into a wicked life. He became a drug lord in Singapore. Soon he was uh, uh, captured and uh, thrown in prison uh, for being an international drug lord, uh, he was in charge of a smuggling network. He made all kinds of money. He lost it all. Now he was in prison. Then from prison, he went to a rehabilitation uh, prison in Singapore. And there he was frustrated um, because uh, all his golds were now completely wiped away. While he was there, he was a smoker. And he was, he somehow got uh, uh, tobacco smuggled in. Uh, And so he would take the tobacco that was smuggled in and he would take the Gideon Bible that was in the prison cell and he would take it and tear pages off and he would wrap uh, the tobacco in in the Bible pages. One night he fell asleep when he woke up. He looked over at the, the remains of uh, a, a burnt cigarette that he had. And he opened that burnt cigarette paper up, which was the Bible, and he read what was written on that charred piece of paper. Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? Then he, came, he became very uh, interested in that story. So he requested another Gideon Bible. And they brought him another Gideon Bible. And he read the entire story and the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. He suddenly realized if God could help someone like Saul, then God could help him too. So he opened up his heart, got on his knees in that cell, And he asked Jesus to come into his heart and become his savior. He started crying and and he couldn't stop. The tears of a wasted life washed away his pain and God redeemed him from his sin. Hmm. He started sharing the story all through the prison. And he was known as a missionary there in the prison. And finally he was released. When he was released, he went to a local church, and there he met a lady and he married her. And the two of them evangelized everywhere. So much so that he decided to go to the Far East to become a missionary. And as far as I know, he's still a missionary there today, sharing the gospel and how Jesus Christ made a difference and how the treasures of this world are fleeting and only what you do for Christ today will count for eternity. That's the conclusion. Asaph, you keep on doing what you're doing; it's going to pay off. Asaph, those people, their end is but destruction. God has something great for you. You keep on singing, you keep on praising, you keep on praying, you keep on going to the sanctuary. And receiving the word of God. Live for him who loves us and gave his only begotten son to be our savior. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, the perplexing problem and questions of life were answered by God in the sanctuary. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us today to meet here at Community Baptist Church. And Father, I pray that we recognize that we have a God in heaven that can help us if we'll but give ourselves over to your word. Father, it's your word, not the philosophy of men. It's your word, not the psychology of men. It's your word that will help us understand the perplexing, puzzling problems of life. Father, this one problem That Asaph, uh, that had plagued him day and night. This one problem you cleared up. There was great clarity as he put his trust in you. May we put our trust in you. and May we continue to recognize that you are a God who not only saves us, but sustains us. The sufficiency of your word helps us as we live our lives on a daily basis. Dear God, encourage our hearts, but help us, dear God, even as we look around, not to be too perplexed in seeing what we don't have, but, Father, what we do have in Jesus Christ. So help us, dear God. Help us to be that Asaph in our homes as dads. Help us to be that Asaph in our homes as moms. Help us be that Asaph in our school when we go with our classmates. Help us to be the one proclaiming that there is but one God, and I'm going to draw near to that God, my God, my God who will give me the truth I need as I put my trust in him. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed, but it is good for me to draw near to God I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. As God spoke to your heart this morning. So often we start looking around at what everybody else has and what we don't have. What do you have in God? People. Let's realize that we have a God in heaven. And what's to clear away that confusion and give us clarity that the conjunction is there. We have to determine that we are his and that we are going to trust him with our whole heart, with all our being. How many could say with the uplifted hand, Pastor Jackson, I know if I were to die today that I'd go to heaven because Jesus Christ is my Savior and God is my Heavenly Father. If you could say that today. Would you slip your hand up in the a moment while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around? God bless you, you. May put your hands down. If you could not raise your hand, we'd love to show you today in this sanctuary how you can know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. We'd love to show you how you can put your trust in Jesus. It's not a difficult thing. It's not about church membership or baptism or about uh, uh, anything other than putting your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'd love to see you put your trust in Jesus today. You'd say, Pastor, remember me in prayer. I need Christ. Pray for me. Remember me in prayer. Would you slip your hand up? Could I pray for you today? Could I remember you in prayer? Christian friend, today, if your heart's been encouraged, and you'd say, the Holy Spirit's used the word of God today to encourage my heart, Pastor. Remember me in prayer, as I often find myself saying, it's not fair. Often I find myself comparing myself with others, but praise God, I'm rich with God today, and I'm so thankful that God's word is here to clarify that for me. Remember me in prayer. Would you slip your hand up in the quietness of the moment as God spoke to your heart today? God bless you. Amen and amen. Still others, pray for me. Remember me in prayer. Amen. Let's quietly stand to our feet while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. You can right now, there standing in your pew, confirm that decision you're making today. It's a great psalm. This song leader gives us great truth. Of course, it's inspired by God's word, or it is God's word, it's inspired God's word. Let this truth continue to help us throughout this week and throughout the weeks of 2021 to recognize it is good. For me to have to draw near to God because I put my trust in the Lord God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the decisions that were made today. And Father, for those who aren't sure they're on their way to heaven, I pray, dear God, that you would give them that assurance. Again, Father, we thank you for Psalm 73. Now I pray, Father, that you'd bless as we close with a song. And, Father, I pray that we would continue to take your word, those verses in Psalm 73 that are so very important to our well-being, to our state of mind. Now, Father, bless and use your word. In Jesus' name, amen.